Welcome back to another episode of the Pandemic Job Hunt. This podcast aims to break down key techniques and to uncover the industry secrets to help you stand out in getting a job during this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic we are living in. And I am your host, Andrew Barry. My next guest today is the Houston Hustler, and her name is Kathy Nguyen. The other day, I was on LinkedIn going through my feed, I stumbled upon a viral post with 121,000 likes and over 7,000 comments. It was a powerful post where she was sharing her vulnerability, she was sharing her experiences after getting laid off at the beginning of the pandemic, and her experience of facing rejection after rejection after applying to hundreds of applications. It resonated with me, and it resonated with 121,000 other folks as well, because she understood the grind that folks have to face right now. She understood the feeling of uncertainty. I was inspired by her humbleness that I reached out to her and I'm very proud to have Kathy Nguyen, AKA the Houston Hustler on my show today. We discussed about her experiences, her strategy on using LinkedIn, how she stumbled upon a LinkedIn coach and what was great was her unique HR insights. Stay tuned. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Andrew. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, how's the weather there in Houston right now? Today, it's phenomenal. Of course, it's beautiful. It's you know usually really hot and humid. Today is actually probably one of the best days so far, You know, considering mm-hmm. everything. It's a pretty good day. What about you? Uh, it's pretty good. I would say it's the first weekend in Toronto mm-hmm. where it has dipped below 20 degrees. So the fall has started. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live up north in Canada, so the fall hits pretty quickly. All right. Why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are? Um, okay. So I am, I've lived in Houston, Texas for the last 20 years. I have um, My background is human resources. I have nine years of human resource experiences from financial, healthcare, agriculture, um, oil and gas, and now retail. Um you know, I've been focusing on benefits, employee benefits and wellness for the past five years. And, you know, 2017, I got into oil and gas and in Houston, oil and gas and the medical field is huge. That's what this whole city is about because we have the Texas Medical Center and huge oil and gas companies here. So um, it was wonderful for the first two years I was there. Oil prices up. We were doing financially well. Um, 2018 and 19 came. Um Again, I was doing financially well. I was thinking, man, this is great. The oil prices, you know, when you're on a high, all you can mm-hmm. think about is how great everything is going. Mm-hmm. And um, 2019, I think, was probably one of my best years in my career. Mm-hmm. I was flourishing well. Our company was doing well. And then I was thinking, man, if 2019 repeats itself for the next couple of years, I am going to be golden, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so here comes um, COVID-19. We start to hear a little trickle about it, not too much. And then we're kind of looking out for it. Then there's the price war with like Russia and Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And we're just thinking about, they're like, okay, how is this going to affect our oil and gas, gas prices? And then so February comes around, we're seeing a little bit of dip uh, in gas prices. March, we see another little dip. And then we're starting to worry a little bit because with the COVID and the oil prices, people, our economy is starting to slow down a little bit. And for our company to survive or make a profit, our um, our 
gas prices have to be or oil prices has to be forty dollars a barrel or more. Mm-hmm. It starts mm-hmm. getting to like forty and then thirty-eight and thirty-nine by April, it went into the negatives. You know, mm-hmm. our company is a private company, so we thought we would be okay because we don't have five hundred people. You know, we've only had one layoff in the forty year that we've been involved. Um, as a company, something okay, we're gonna be okay, we're gonna be okay. We held out to the end of April and then that's when all the layoffs started happening. We had eleven mm-hmm. percent of our um workforce get laid off from anywhere from people in the oil field all the way up to people who are geologists who've been there for five years, 10 years, seven years, 20 years, uh, Mm -hmm. up to the new people who've been there for a year. So, you know, here I am now, I was four months off of into unemployment, the middle of a pandemic. I've been applying for jobs left and right every day, you know, looking for a new job was a full-time job itself. I woke up every morning, got on the internet. You can only look for so, so many jobs at so, so often for so long, you Mm -hmm. know, And it just took me to a really dark place because I had the best year of my life. And then Mm -hmm. here I am. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? I don't have a job anymore. Mm -hmm. And in normal circumstances, I would have no problems finding a job. But here I am Mm -hmm. competing with hundreds, even thousands of people for the same job. Did you find, because you you said you got laid out around April? April. Am I correct? Did you find that within the first couple of months since April job posting was quite limited since I, at least from my personally, I found out that most companies had hiring freezes. They were not looking for anybody. They were like, okay, let's stop hiring and let's just wait and see. And for me, I've only noticed the uptake in job postings. And again, the past couple of months or, you know, since June or July absolutely uh, started. Absolutely. April and May, all the companies I knew, I had friends who were an older oil and gas company. They completely stopped their internships. They um, rescinded all their internships, rescinded some um, job offers, and companies were just mm-hmm. going on a hiring freeze. It's completely because mm-hmm. before there was companies who were hiring. I even talked to my friends. They're like, no, we put that position on freeze because we don't know what's happening with oil and gas, with COVID. We don't know how the economy is going. So, yes, for April and May, it was almost impossible to find anything. It was very, very limited. And mm-hmm. I would have alerts set up on Indeed and LinkedIn. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be getting any. Were you looking originally specifically in oil and gas um, jobs or were you just shooting across the board for like HR? I, I was shooting across the board because my background had such a big industry that I was doing a little mm-hmm. bit of everything. I was really nervous about oil and gas. You know, when it's good, it's mm-hmm. good. But when it's bad, you better hold on. You know, so it was, yeah. it's a very tormentous relationship being in oil and gas it's again it's if it's good it's good if it's great you better hold on because you don't know if you're going to be out the door and you know there's a lot of companies it's all about cost sometimes loyalty doesn't mean anything when it's all about the bottom dollar you know mm-hmm. so yeah so i was really nervous i spoke, spoke to agencies and recruiters and like do you want to do oil and gas i was like you know it's not my first choice i would love to get back in oil and gas but i'm open to every industry and would you what would you say some of the tools or like different techniques you had to like utilize in order to put yourself, you know, just have you stand out against other candidates. Cause I've talked to others and they said they've been a lot more active on LinkedIn. They've been like writing articles on LinkedIn and I'm sure everyone has their own strategies and techniques. Uh, what, what, what would you say was your strategies and techniques and to, to stand out? You know, it was hard for me. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard for me because I don't hold a degree. So that was another battle that mm-hmm. I had to fight and I had to work harder and hustle harder and convince people that I was worth mm-hmm. taking a chance on because I don't hold an undergraduate degree. And that was like one of the requirements mm-hmm. of almost every single job that I apply for. An undergraduate mm-hmm. degree was required or preferred, but they required it. Um, 
So what I did was I actually met someone who was a LinkedIn coach. So she looked over my LinkedIn profile. She's also mm-hmm. owns her own recruiting company. And she told me how to change my profile. She's like, your profile says nothing about who you are, what you want to do. She's like, you need to change your headline to make it look, to make it catch. And so she showed me the recruiter website. She's like, this is the first thing I see. I see nothing about your contact information, nothing about your skills. It's just a little bit about, you know, who we are. Just I want to see skills because at this moment, recruiters are looking for keywords. So she had me change up my profile, change up my tagline to make sure I had the keywords in there. Because when recruiters search on LinkedIn, they're typing in keywords and that's what pops up um, people's mm-hmm. um, profiles. And I had another HR professional look over my resume. She had me change my format a little bit to make sure I included not only things I did, but also accomplishments. And that's a big thing. Just making sure Mm -hmm. that you go over job description, kind of tailor your resume towards that job description and make sure you list your key accomplishments, especially when it deals with that particular job. And she said it was okay to have multiple Mm -hmm. resumes, you know, multiple resumes based on the job that you want, tailor each one to that specific job. And, you know, one of the things I did was in my job search, not only to change my resume and my LinkedIn, but I also made sure I, when I found a job on Indeed or LinkedIn, I looked at the job. Then I went directly to the company website, kind of read more about the job. Then I applied mm-hmm. for the job. Then I went back on LinkedIn, looked at who worked at that company and tried to connect with how many people I could mm-hmm. within that company, especially in the HR department, hiring department. And if I was, say, in a different mm-hmm. department, connect with someone in that department as well. So I was trying to get my mm-hmm. name on someone's mind. So when you were reaching out, let's, let's break it down first. Um, I want to ask a little bit about like when you were reaching out to other people on LinkedIn, did you reach out specifically to, for example, that company's recruiter or someone in the HR department? Uh, What was your strategy in terms of who to reach out? Like, how did you pinpoint the person? Absolutely. Definitely the recruiter. I would type in the company's name. I would type in recruiter if they had multiple recruiters because some recruiters work on certain departments. I reach out to every single recruiter, also the HR director or the recruiting Mm -hmm. manager. I try to hit as many Mm -hmm. people as in HR as possible. So you, you hit uh, more than one person in one company, not just Absolutely. one person. Okay. Absolutely. I did the directors. I did, you know, the higher management, like the uh, HR director or um, talent mm-hmm. management director, as well as the recruiter. So once you've uh, reached out to them, what would you ask them? Would you ask for like their story, how they got to their position or you were direct like, okay, I'm actually looking for a job next Y and Z. I was. I was actually very direct with them. I, you know, sent them an email. I was like, hi, my name is Kathy Wynn. I just wanted to reach out to you. Um, I saw that your job was um, having this position open. I wanted to be able to, you know, touch base with you and let you know that I applied for my job. You know, just kind of describe my experience a little bit just so they have a a soft Mm -hmm. introduction of who I am before they got to my resume. Sometimes um, Mm -hmm. I would get a reply if I thank you. Sometimes I wouldn't get nothing, but I just wanted to make it Mm -hmm. sure that I was out there because sometimes when you apply Mm -hmm. through the third party, websites like indeed i feel like it's quite difficult exactly and it kind of gets lost in the mail yeah i mean yeah you're easily to be dismissed you know you're just a name on like behind the computer uh you don't have that personal touch uh it's very interesting because like i i know like a lot of my friends and a lot of people i've talked to about like reaching out people on linkedin uh i find it very interesting in terms like some people would say you know you should be very direct in terms of like asking what you want and who you want in terms of um, the connection and some people would talk about be like okay why don't you ask them for like a coffee chat or a virtual coffee chat and i kind of like ask the other person in terms of like their story into how they got into the position they are in 
so you can have like this informal interview uh, as well as just get to know each other on a personal level. So it's very interesting that for you, you went on a very direct approach. And so I want this X, Y, and Z. This is my background, this is my skills. Uh, how can you help me type of uh, approach? Absolutely. Like I am very direct. Mm-hmm. I myself am very direct. And, and, you know, to me, I don't like to be like, hey, you know, let's slowly step into this. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to ask. I'm going to shoot for the stars. If it, it doesn't mm-hmm. work, it doesn't work. But that's just mm-hmm. my approach. That's how I've always been. I've been very direct. And mm-hmm. that's just, and I just want to know, you know, yes, no, maybe. Do I have a chance? Just, you know, again, just very direct because that's just my personality. And I'm not, we're in a time where there's a hundred of people that's going to be asking them yeah. the same question. So I just want to make sure that they're not going to get bored with, Hey, how did you get here? And let me, you know, mm-hmm. I just want them to know, I want to talk to you based on business and business. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And, and you would say like, this will, this gave you more opportunities in terms of uh, people actually responding back this direct approach. Yes, because they know that I'm contacting just for that job mm-hmm. and that job only versus, you know, Hey, let's sit down and have an interview and blah, 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 mm-hmm. because I know they're busy. I know in the HR part, you mm-hmm. are busy. So let, let's go to the point, uh, the part where you talked about you had like a LinkedIn coach or a mm-hmm. recruitment coach. How, how did you find yourself uh, in the services of a LinkedIn coach? Like when did you decide, okay, let me actually get help from these uh, these professionals? Um, there was another HR uh global HR manager on LinkedIn offering her services. Mm-hmm. Um, I was connected to her. She's like, Hey, you know, I know everyone's going through a difficult time. If you want me to review your resume for free, please mm-hmm. send your resume over and I will give you my feedback. I did that. She got um, back to me within a couple of days, mm-hmm. gave me her reviews and her thoughts. So I went back and adjusted my resume based on her critiques. And I was working mm-hmm. while well, I still am working part time at lifetime fitness, which is a gym. And one of our members who happens to be a recruiter is there every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, we became friendly and then we talked about, you know, what do you do now? And she's like, I've always watched you. And I always knew that you did something mm-hmm. else besides being a bartender because of your personality, you're very people service because I knew there was something else about you. Mm-hmm. And then I told her my whole story about being laid off and how I was in human resources. Mm-hmm. She goes, I can tell by your personality. And she was telling me, um, she had her LinkedIn up and we were talking about, she's like, you know, I'm a LinkedIn coach, right? I'm like, no. So we just sat down and talked about, she pulled up my LinkedIn and just gave me pointers on that, on what to change and what to improve. So it just That's was amazing. a chance meeting, <laughs> just a chance meeting. Yeah. I just talked to one of our members who's there every day, chit chat. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were just BSing and she's like, this mm-hmm. is what I do for a living. You know, how can I help you? So chance meeting. You know, it just it comes to it comes to mind like you're, you're there's, there's always a chance to network. There's always a chance, an opportunity to get to know someone, see what their life story is, and really make a connection. No matter if you're just in the office through LinkedIn, at the gym, or anywhere you you could. And like this reminds me of the conversation I had uh, the other day with a man. He said, "If you don't know where to look, look into your hobby networks." And this is a man who has a extensive hobbies in terms of uh, photography he also is a big soccer fan so he goes to the local bars and local clubs where they can watch soccer together and he Mm -hmm. in those communities he networks quite you know quite aggressively plus the fact that there is a common i guess uh interest in whatever hobby you are in you are able to connect with other person much easier and i think it comes to show that yeah if you have an opportunity to make a connection and go for it Absolutely. I stand behind that a thousand percent because while I was laid off, I was able to work part time. I started walking dogs part time and I also bartended part times. I've been doing that for 20 years, even while I had a corporate job. And people are like, why do you bartend if you have a corporate job? 
networking, 100% networking. Some of the people that I meet behind the bar, I would have never met in other circumstances. They would come to the bar, I would meet them, chit chat, and I'd become to mm -hmm. know them, you know, especially at Lifetime Fitness, we had a bar at a gym. So people would go work out, sit and chit chat, and I became mm. you know, to get to know them after their workouts. And that was one thing. And I also do triathlons mm -hmm. on my free time. So a lot of people I met through triathlons and cycling, all are professionals. They have mm -hmm. a professional life out of this. And one of them happens to be um, a HR manager, a, a director, and also an HR professor at the university. So, you know, we had a lot of connections. And so we were able to connect on our hobby level as well as the professional levels. He was able to give me um, connections with other people and help me network with other people through his network as well. That's amazing. And also, I think the fact that you worked on these, these service jobs allowed you to interact with like a plethora of people and interact with all kinds of, you know, walks from life. And also, I guess that really helps with the soft skills in the HR role you're probably in and just in the corporate life in general. Absolutely. And, you know, when I interview for jobs, I tell people prior to being in HR, I have 20 years of hospitality industry. And that mm -hmm. helps me because that helps me. It goes hand in hand. It helps me deal with people with different personalities. It helps mm -hmm. me deal with being under time pressure, but still keeping the mission of the organization in my mind. So it works mm -hmm. hand in hand because it's definitely in human resources. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is human. You have to have a human aspect of it. So human resources and bartending, in a way, hospitality goes hand in hand together because what are you dealing with day in, day out, people? Mm -hmm. So why don't we jump to interacting with recruiters? And I would like to talk about the fact that you've been in the HR side. Yeah. And I'm sure like you've also, uh, according to your LinkedIn, you've done the whole spectrum of uh, HR. So you also worked on recruitment side. How... What do you recommend are some tips uh, for like a job seeker in terms of interacting recruiter and how to stand out on with their profile? You've already mentioned, obviously, optimizing your LinkedIn profile, optimizing your resume and optimizing your say, um, uh, what you call it, uh, your description, whatnot. Uh, what other tips would you provide for someone who's job seeking and maybe someone who is a recent grad or someone who's a little bit more experienced who have either lost a job or are transitioning into a new role. Gotcha. What I'm seeing a lot on LinkedIn mm -hmm. on, so I know that you, sorry, my cat. So I know that you had saw on my post that went viral. So that's how we connected. Mm -hmm. It had like 6 million plus views and 7,000 comments or whatever. I've noticed a lot of people were saying that they're having a hard time transitioning because of ageism. Even though people mm -hmm. say that it doesn't happen, it does happen. It's just not spoken about. Mm -hmm. One thing I would tell, would recommend people who are years and years experience, I probably would stay away from numbers. You know, saying, oh, I have 20, mm -hmm. 30 plus years of this experience. I probably would use the word experienced versus laying out a number. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because that kind of tells them, hey, this person's older. This person may not may have a hard time, you know, learning these skills and whatnot, or they may be set in their ways, you know, so I probably recommend using the words experience, you know, process technician or experience engineer versus 20 years plus of process technician, you know, you can kind of go into that details once you land it in an interview, and they'll see it with your timeline, you know, when you how long you've been there, whatnot, I probably would use more of the word experience versus like time again. So the key here is like really hone in terms of like your own storytelling abilities exactly. to convey who you are as an individual and who you are as a professional. Absolutely. Your resume is a snapshot of your life. It, you know, it's very quiet. It's a very of who you are and um, a story, basically a brief story of who you are. Once you get into the interview, that's kind of how you expand everything. Um, also, you know, for recent grads, definitely highlight the things that you were into while you were in school, all the activities you did, all the leadership activities you did, 
don't shy away from putting that in there because they're going to look at experience too. Just because you have a piece of paper doesn't mean you can do your job. They want to make sure that you know how to work with people, that you know how to work with technology and know how to work with processes. Volunteers, if you volunteer something and you let a group, make sure you put that down, that you were a leader and then you had X amount of people under you. They want to see that you can lead. Um, Another thing I would definitely put is um, your skills, your technology skills. That's really, really big. A lot of resumes I would see, people will leave out their technology skills. I was like, why? Put that in there. A lot of companies, we are in 2020. We are going into the age of technology. They want to know that you can be able to use the technologies they have. So whatever um, technologies or software you have, list it, list it, list it. You know what I mean? It's very important that you do that. And I put my core competency at the very top of my resume because that gives them a brief detail of what I am able to handle and what I've worked with before. And that can tell them, oh, she has people soft. Oh, she has ADP. Perfect. Let's get her, you know, let's look more into her resume. Because sometimes if you don't have those required um, skills that they want, they'll pass over you right away. So make sure you put that at the very top, big, bold, so they see it. Okay, let's talk about the resume. Um, I, I would say I've talked to many recruiters and they've all had, you know, different approaches in terms of like how resume should be. And this is across industries, also just across different cultures and different regions of the country. And, you know, the, I live in Canada, I'm sure it's a bit different up here than it is in, in like Houston, Texas. Uh, what would you say in terms of like your resume format, the most important um, aspect? Like how does a recruiter read a resume? Let's, let's, let's go from there. You know, I had I had uh, my resume on one page. I wanted to condense everything in one page, but I also have nine years of experience. So trying to squeeze it to one page is really hard because I had to determine what was important to me or what was important to the company that I was applying for. So I had to take a lot of mm-hmm. them out. I did it. It was like a real simple format. And every recruiter I sent it to, even agency, was like, hey, do you have a timeline one where you have... Because it was like very, here's my jobs and here are all my duties. It was in two different boxes. And they're like, hey, do you have a traditional resume? So every company I sent that to was like, can you send us a different Mm. time format? So that one didn't work because I wanted it to be a new concept and it didn't take on very well. So they want to see exactly what I did for every job, for how long, and and what I did versus what I did overall in my whole nine years of my career. So basically my resume, of course, your information at the top, I put my core skills that pertain to the job I was for right after it, before I got into my job descriptions of what I did for every company. So I want those things that I did well at the very top, right under my information. So mm-hmm. that is what they see next. You know. So your contact, then your core skills that you're proud yeah, of, like, then the job descriptions. And yeah, all my jobs, okay. stuff like that. So that way, as soon as they see it, they see that I have the skills that fit with a job that they're looking for, like um, certain processes that I've done, if I've done multi-state, if I've done benefits, I recruiting, all that stuff is at the very top before I get to the details. Did you ever put your resume, run through like an ATS system? And I'm sure that's, is that was, that's what is it called? Like the yeah. ATS system? Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever like run that through an ATS system to see if it like picked up everything correctly? Did that does not matter, you would say, or it doesn't really matter when you're like directly giving a resume to someone in person? Um, you know, I kind of hate those systems in a way because it picks up only certain things. And sometimes I have to go back and make corrections of it because my friend and I were talking about those resume parsers. They pick up certain things. So I have to go back and correct it. But it does save you some time. It's a love and hate relationship. You know, it doesn't pick it up. 100% all the way, is, I'd probably say about 75%. It works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, I've talked to some recruiters and saying, like, you know, you should definitely optimize for ATS system because it's a way to filter out mm-hmm. uh, candidates. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, it's you know, recruiters are in general very busy. I'm sure, like, right now they're the most busiest professionals in the industry because, you know, everyone is looking for a job and all these different systems 
are it's just a symptom the fact that the systems are overloaded that's why you know really you really want to you know find a way to optimize and really i guess now everyone's literally focusing on how to get a job how to optimize for that yeah i would definitely say when you're working on your resume for that particular job number one thing go to the company read the job description pull mm -hmm. stuff from the job description that pertains to you put it in your resume because that's mm -hmm. going to match and like, oh, they've done this mm -hmm. before. They've done that. That's going to match. That's what they want to look for, too. If you've done this and you've done that, it match. Definitely read the job description and tailor your resume to that job. And again, you might have 10 resumes out there, you mm -hmm. know, but it's okay. You know, 10 different resumes for that job for different mm -hmm. jobs is perfectly normal. It's what you have to do now. What are, what would you say are some red flags uh, when it comes to resume or comes to like a profile of a candidate uh, when they're applying from a recruiter's point of view, when they're just like shift, sifting through like all the applicants? Rambling on, like rambling on and on. Honestly, I think concise is the best. Being brief and to the point mm -hmm. is what our people are looking for right now, especially like you said, um, recruiters are getting overloaded with resumes and looking for, they want to just look for keywords right now. They're looking for keywords, so don't just ram on, oh, mm -hmm. I did this. Throw in some numbers in there and your accomplishments, but just don't keep going and going and going. Just make it to the point and concise. It's like a PowerPoint presentation. You just mm -hmm. want the brief information. Once you land an interview, mm -hmm. that's when you expand on the detail. You know, just get to the, get, make, make the point. Like, I'm very direct. Just be, mm -hmm. It's basically being very direct on your resume. Now, let's jump on the other side. As a candidate, when I'm looking for a job and I'm looking at these various companies and recruiters, uh, what are red flags that I can pick up on the other side? Because I'm sure, you know, at least from my experiences, you know, some companies and some recruiters, you know, they hold a lot of integrity. They, they have a very proper professional, I guess, process in terms of uh, recruiting and some companies, maybe not so much. Uh, what would what would you say some red flags maybe when you were job searching in terms of like, this is a company I don't, I don't really want to work for. Like, I, I feel like it's not, they won't treat me properly versus a company that's very professional. Gotcha. Um, definitely use Glassdoor and Indeed. They both have a section where you can apply for a job, but also read reviews from other employees who've worked there or other candidates who've been through the interview process. So there's company reviews of them, which has all that. So read that and kind of see how others went through the interview process and to see if you want to work for. And also there's company ratings and how the company rates, I'm sorry, how the employees rate the company as in their benefits, if they recommend the CEO, what their processes are like, their pros and cons of the company too. And that kind of gives me a direction of do I want to apply for this job? Is this where I want to be happy working here? Will I be happy based on the reviews that I see? But you also have to understand that the people who are leaving these comments, you have to take with a great assault. Because some of them can very be biased because they're either really unhappy with the company, so they're going to hash out all the stuff that they hated about the company, or that they're really happy, so they're only for the positive. So you kind of have to understand that there is a little bit of bias on that and make sure that you're open-minded and take it with a grain of salt. And you kind of have to make your decision on that. But that was one thing I looked at too was um, company reviews. Um, as well as what people said about their benefits and about their CEO, what they didn't like, what they did not like. Um, also, you know, I applied to hundreds of jobs. I got a hundred of rejections. Um, some of them gave you the automatic rejection. But when I was able to get a real uh, response for a person, I sent them back an email and asked them for feedback. Asked them why my resume wasn't chosen. Why did I not get moved to the second round of interviews? Sometimes I got a response. Sometimes I didn't. Most of the times it was my salary was too much or um, or I didn't speak Spanish or I just didn't have one key skill that they thought was very needed for this position. Yeah, I think it's always a, it's always very nice when uh, the other recruiter or the hiring manager comes back to you and give you actual constructive feedback in terms of like their own reasoning and process of like rejecting you. Um, I think 
you know, I know it's very busy from a recruiter's point of view, but I think more recruiters should do that because it really encourages the people and especially the job applicant that, oh, we thought about you. We actually processed you and, you know, you're not just like an automatic rejection, yeah. uh, but definitely harder now because, you know, there's an overload of applica- applicants across all the all the systems. So why, what would you say is some things and some, uh, you know, hiring and job hunting things that are specific to the HR industry versus say like the technology industry? Like what, what's something unique about HR in general that how, for example, an aspiring uh, HR professional wants to break into the field? Like what, 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 what do you have to have to, you know, make it easier for you to enter the, put, the, put, the, put your foot in the door? Honestly, HR is a really hard mm-hmm. field to break into. Um, one, you probably have to know someone in the company, you know, and when I started the career in HR, I was working at a dental office and I was doing um, bartending and waitressing on the side um, just mm-hmm. to make ends meet. Um, no one gave me a chance. It was really hard because I was still going to school at that time. I had zero experience of HR, but I had customer service experience, hospitality experience. Mm-hmm. So I laid heavily on my customer service because that's what HR is, mm-hmm. customer service. Your customers are your employees. So I laid heavily on that. Mm-hmm. I actually took a super entry-level HR um, assistant job. It was basically Mm -hmm. an HR file clerk, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to be in HR so bad that I took this super entry-level job. Mm -hmm. I was making about $30,000 a year taking that job. So I took a huge pay cut because I didn't make much Mm -hmm. of the office before. So I started this job out at making, Mm -hmm. I think, $14.50 an hour entry level just because I wanted Mm -hmm. to get that job so bad. I worked longer hours, Mm -hmm. longer hours and longer commute and smaller pay, but I took it. You know, within a year... You know, my supervisor were amazing. Like they took me under their wings. I just asked questions. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the mm-hmm. best that I can at whatever they toss me. And I just encouraged myself to go up to my leaders and tell them I want more. I want more. I can only do this job that I, I was assigned for for so long. I've outgrown mm-hmm. it. Please just teach me more. And it was just eager of learning and going to my supervisor and wanting to know more. And they totally mm-hmm. understood that. They saw my hunger. They saw that how much I wanted to be involved in HR. And they gave me the opportunity to assist them with a bunch of different HR roles and aspects. So that way I was able to grow as an HR professional. And they were completely on board with that and love the fact mm-hmm. that I wanted to learn more. So my, you know, my, my thing mm-hmm. is just getting your foot in the door some way, somehow, and just bust your butt, work hard, ask to learn, you know, work with your supervisor to mentor mm-hmm. you. And, you know, to this mm-hmm. day, I still talk to those supervisor and they are my HR mentor still. So it obviously it's much easier once your foot is in the door. You can really showcase how you hustle, how resilient you are and how much you want this uh, particular role on this particular career path are there any other would you say like resources or educational like websites or maybe conferences that you follow or you know stay to stay in touch in terms of the latest hr uh, technologies news and whatnot absolutely there is a um organization called sherm it's um, shrm it's a human resource um management organization it's free uh, for certain parts, but you can sign up to be a membership and it's, it's, mm-hmm. they keep you updated. It's all about human resources in the United States and it keeps you updated on the newest technologies, what's going on with the world, mm-hmm. especially with the COVID stuff and the new laws. Mm-hmm. It basically keeps you updated on that. Um, in Houston, mm-hmm. there's also HR Houston, you know, which is an HR Houston. Mm-hmm. It's um, human resources for the city of Houston. It's just local professionals who gather. And again, it's just a small branch of SHRM. Um, so I definitely keep up with those. I definitely mm-hmm. keep up with my HR professional connections on LinkedIn as well on what's going on because a lot of them are global mm-hmm. leaders who have a lot of insight of what's going on globally versus, you know, what's local. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so it's also very important to join your local professional networks is what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Join your local ones and join your um, nationwide ones too because there can be connections all over the world. Like my neighbor, for instance, she just got a job in um, Oregon with Nike. You know, and I'm like, hey, keep me up to date if you find anything, you know, in human versus in Nike. You know, it's always good just to have connections anywhere. And, you know, again, local and national, because even if you're willing to um, not willing to relocate now, you never know. An opportunity might come up where it is a great time for you to relocate and you have a connection there. Okay, that's really amazing. Um I think uh, this should, this is a really good talk so far. Uh, I really enjoyed like your insights in terms of like how you got to your position HR and your tips and tricks for job hunting during this pandemic, which is what the topic of this podcast is all about. And towards the end of the podcast, I always give a minute to 30 seconds in terms of like my my guests to talk about whatever they're, whatever's happening in their lives, words of encouragement or anything they want to uh, discuss about that's going on in their lives. You know, we're in a really tough time right now. The one advice I want to give everyone is take care of your mental health. Your mental well-being mm. is the, you know, the foundation of everything. If you are not mentally healthy, you cannot be able mm. to look for a job in a positive manner. There was times when I went on an interview, a Zoom interview with someone, and you can tell I was physically mm. not there. I was exhausted. The life had been sucked out of mm. me. I've done so many interviews, and I was just repeating the same questions over and over. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just I was checked out mentally. Just make sure you mm-hmm. take care of your mental health. Go on for a walk. Yeah. Go do something you enjoy. Volunteer. Do something rewarding for yourself mm-hmm. or somebody else. Um, take a break from the job search. It is daunting. Mm-hmm. It is um, depressing. It can get you to a place where you don't want to mm-hmm. be. Take a break from it for one or two days. Refresh. Recharge. Go back at it again the next day. Just mm-hmm. keep your mental health in check. There are national organizations that are out mm-hmm. there to help you that are free. I've even posted it on my own personal LinkedIn to contact me and vent your frustration mm-hmm. if you want, because sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger than someone you know, because there's zero bias there. It's just talk to someone if you need it. Don't hold it in. Call someone. Just keep your mental health in check and well-being. All right. Thank you so much, Kathy. Absolutely. This is the end of the show. Thank you for tuning into the Pandemic Job Hunt podcast. As always. I would love to get feedback, so don't hesitate to get in touch through my Twitter at Andrew H.N. Berry or LinkedIn.